unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Coming up on this episode, happy to have back Tim Brando of Fox Sports as we talk about college basketball making its way to March Madness. Timmy B is standing by in the virtual green room and will join us in just a few moments. First, I want to remind you, doing that giveaway that I talked about last week for the Apopka International Jazz Fest, Saturday, March 19th at the Apopka Amphitheater, headlined by the great Jeffrey Osborne. Your chance to win preferred seating tickets valued at $170. All you got to do is email me, jeffallensportstalk at gmail.com to enter the drawing, which will take place the first week of March for those tickets. Also joining Jeffrey Osborne are Hiroshima, Nestor Torres, D. Lucas, and Lori Williams. Again, jeffallensportstalk at gmail.com to enter the drawing to the Apopka International Jazz Fest Saturday, March 19th at the Apopka Amphitheater. The Super Bowl goes to the Los Angeles Rams as they come from behind to beat the Cincinnati Bengals in a uh, tight drama-filled game. And so the Rams went all in with their acquisitions and spending to win a Super Bowl in their whole home stadium. And interest, interestingly enough, the Super Bowl ratings, Los Angeles, the second biggest market in the country, has two NFL teams, but did not even crack the top 10. <laughs> Cincinnati was high on that list, as you would imagine, as well as the city of Pittsburgh. But uh, yeah, tell me LA cares about professional football. Speaking of ratings, why are the Olympics down? Some reports of around 50%. Well, I got a few tidbits on that. First of all, the IOC that runs it is dirty and just all about the money. All the cheating that goes on with drug enhancements and all that jazz. And then I think another prevailing factor is the separation of the Winter and Summer Olympics. Uh, they used to be in the same year. Now they alternate and every two years. And I think that's weakened the product. And I think, too, you know, back in the days when the Olympics was such an appointment television, now... You know, the Olympics doesn't have, you know, back then didn't have to compete against college basketball being on every night. So there you have it. Central Florida, we're back. It's the second annual Apopka International Jazz Fest. Starring the iconic Jeffrey Osborne. Jeffrey Osborne. With special guest Hiroshima, saxophonist D. Lucas, and Grammy Award winner Nestor Torres. Saturday, March 19th at the luxurious Apopka Amphitheater. Early bird tickets on sale. For complete details and tickets, log on to ApopkaInternationalJazzFest.com. Jeffrey Osborne. Baby, stay with me tonight. Get your tickets now. All right, my pleasure to welcome back to the program Tim Brando of Fox Sports. Timmy B here to join us to talk about the road leading to March Madness once again. Tim, thank you for being here. Well, thank you, Jeff, for having me. I really do appreciate it. It's uh, always fun to chat with you, and uh, it's a busy time. Uh, I actually uh, am uh, sprinting for the finish now. I, I did three games last week. I've got this week during the week off, but last week I had the games on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Saturday. So uh, this week I got a little bit of a reprieve. Uh, I head out uh, Friday for Connecticut, and then um, uh, next week I leave again. 
for a matchup on a Thursday night and I'm, I'll be gone for like, I don't know, nine, 10 days, five games in 10 days, something like that. And, uh, you know, it's a sprint at this point all the way to the, uh, uh, the Big East tournament for me. So that's, um, that's where I am. And, and between the Big East and the Big Ten, that, those, those two leagues are keeping me really busy. But I'm watching everything everywhere else, too. Trust me. And in, in, in this uh, job of mine, I, I like to think that I keep up with everybody, even if I'm just primarily, you know, covering teams in, in two conferences. Um, and he used to send me out west from time to time for Fox over to do some Pac-12, but I haven't had that since COVID hit. I think travel concerns probably have as much to do with that as anything else. Yeah, but I say you're super busy this time of year, and of course you probably find yourself singing the old Johnny Cash song, I've Been Everywhere, Man, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah so let's uh, kind of talk a little bit about the, the about the, the road to March Madness. You know, we, you know, obviously, uh, you know, the Blue Bloods are around, the Kentuckys, the Kansases, you know, Auburn's having a great year. You know, Gonzaga's back at number one. I do have a, a, a specific question to ask you about them uh, during the course of our conversation. But you, you look at teams like Purdue, they're having a great season in the Big Ten. Providence, which is uh, having a mm-hmm. terrific season in the Big East, and they've proven they can be Villanova. Um, as you look at the uh, the landscape as we head towards March, uh, what do you see? I, I see a lot of balance, and I see uh, a complete uh, uh, difference in what we had a year ago at this time when we had no fans and we were just watching the teams from distance uh, during a, a one-off COVID year of sorts. It was clear that Baylor and, uh, and Gonzaga were the two best teams by now. We knew. We, I mean, we really did. End of January, I think we knew. Uh, now, uh, the teams out of the Pac-12, a top-heavy league like USC and UCLA that made great runs in the NCAA tournament, uh, and they're still there. Uh, they're they're both very good teams, uh, USC and UCLA. But I, I would submit that Gonzaga and Arizona are the best teams out west, and uh, it'll be a, probably a race to the finish to see which one of those uh, gets a one and the other gets a two. Um, Arizona is making a push, I think, to be a one if they can continue to to dominate uh, the way they have recently. Uh, both USC and UCLA have kind of um, cannibalized themselves uh, as the next best teams. And then Oregon's pretty good. Uh, Dana Altman's a pretty good coach uh, in March. So you might keep an eye out for them. But I think past that, uh, you know, the Zags are still the Zags. And, and, uh, uh, as long as uh, that front court remains to be as dominant as it has been, uh, and they get the quality backcourt play that seemingly Mark Few always gets, they're they're legit. Uh, the rest of the country, uh, I mean, I see ten or twelve teams capable of winning it all, not just getting to the Final Four, but you know, winning it all. Uh, Kentucky is a team I think that if they really get on a roll, and and those guards are some of the best guards in the country that they have to go along with Oscar Shibway, who is, is um, uh, the best transfer that certainly we've seen in the game this year. Uh, they're legitimate, you know, uh, as of this taping, they're, they're getting ready to, uh, to match up with Tennessee in a return engagement that could be tough uh, because Barnes's club has played well and uh, any return matchup could be uh, tough for them. But, uh, in the in the Big Ten and in the Big East, I mean, those 
two leagues are just loaded and are that have unbelievable depth. They don't, uh, you know, as good as Duke is in the ACC, and I think Duke is capable of uh, of of winning it all in a sort of a Hollywood script story for Coach K and his uh, last hurrah. But they're not going to get to a one seed because there aren't enough good teams for them to meet in the ACC this year to give them enough quad ones to climb to a one seed. I don't think they can be anything better than a two and more likely a three seed for them. Uh, but in the Big Ten and in the Big East, you got teams that, uh, that right now probably don't figure to be inside the bubble that could get there if they just catch fire and string together some wins because there are so many uh, quad one victories out there potentially for anybody to get. Um, the most underrated team in America is Providence. I mean, they're 21 and two and, uh, you know, did they crack the top 10 this week? I think maybe they number did. eight, number eight, they were 11 a week ago. And, um, and I think the reason for that is, yeah, they're not a blue blood, but Ed Cooley's got a heck of a, uh, of a career going there, but they've won a lot of close games. You know, they haven't dominated people. You know, they've, they've won close games against inferior teams, seemingly playing to the level of their competition. But they're an underdog. Again, we're taping this on uh, a Tuesday night, uh, and they're playing uh, Villanova for the first of two encounters. I'll get the second game on March the 1st, which I believe could very likely be for the Big East regular season title. Uh, they're going to play them tonight in uh, Providence, and they're a four-and-a-half-point underdog at home. <laughs> you know, they're 21 and two. You know, so they're not getting a lot of respect uh, from the boys out in uh, the desert. But uh, they got a hell of a team. Uh, Bynum is just a man-child. Watson's been outstanding. Ed Cooley's teams play great defense. And, uh, you know, Villanova, as good as they are, they're not. this is not a vintage Villanova team by any stretch. And they're a four-and-a-half-point favorite to win the game uh, in Providence. I can see those guys uh, at the Dunkin' Donuts Center on their phones right now with their bookies, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I want some of that. Give me some of that, you know. Um, but um, uh, the Purdue Boilermakers are a team that I feel is very, very, very complete. But they don't have a pure point guard. There are a lot of teams out there. Duke is the same kind of story. You know, there's no uh, – there's no real one guy that you think you can turn to to break against pressure to handle the rock in certain situations. And when I say pure point guard, I'm talking about a guy that thinks pass first point. Okay. Uh, that doesn't mean you can't be a point guard and score. And I, I think that's the direction the game has gone in. Frankly, everybody's um, circling out around the three, three point line. Uh, even low post players aren't posting up anymore. And, uh, you know, that's true with that's true with Gonzaga. It's true with a lot of other teams out there. But Purdue has, I think, and, in, in, uh, you know, with those two bigs, with Edie and Travion Williams, uh, they can play them together. They can use them uh, as combinations at the post to change the way they look. And, um, you know, the, the uh, explosiveness that they find from their backcourt uh, with Sasha Stefanovic uh, as a great shooter, but also can drive. And, uh, and Jaden is just, you know, he's the uh, Kawhi Leonard 
of, uh, of college basketball. Uh, I mean, that kid has won games at the buzzer and, um, I think he's the most explosive player in college basketball. And I don't know that that many people have, have kept up with, uh, with him and what he means to their team. They struggled, uh, uh, and, and lost badly at Michigan, but they came back home, uh, and eked one out in kind of an ugly game against Maryland. So they're in a little bit of a funk right now. All teams go through that, but I think pound for pound, uh, the team that I have the most faith in right now, uh, that would be in the top five or, or six that, that I believe will be there at the end. I think it's Purdue. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and listen, Illinois and Ohio state, uh, even Michigan uh, out of the, the big 10 and they, and they dropped one at home to Ohio state right after they bludgeoned uh, Purdue they lost at home to Ohio State over the weekend. I still think Juwan's team can get there. You know, I, I could see uh, eight teams out of the, the Big East, eight teams out of the Big Ten, maybe nine. Um, those two leagues, I think, are the best two leagues. Uh, but but the SEC is strong, and, and so is the Pac-12. The only league I, – I cannot understand why anyone would project North Carolina to be a tournament team without any quad one wins. Mm. Uh, they, I mean – they don't have any. And the way they looked against Duke uh, in that first battle of the Blues, that was that was that was not a good look. Yeah. But maybe because they're now North Carolina and, and and they have a chance against Duke in the return engagement, they'll they'll probably be in. But I just think it's a very suspect season in the ACC this year. Yeah. And of course, you know, by the way, the defending national champs, Baylor, they're still pretty good, too. <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't even mention them. Uh, yeah, Baylor, Baylor's really good. And the Big 12 is loaded. Um, I completely forgot about them. Yeah. I mean, the Big 12, you can make a case, is right behind the Big 10 and in front of uh, the Big East. I mean, they're, they're, that's a really outstanding league and uh in uh, a deep league, you know, every, every night out, it's just uh, an absolute war. Uh, you know, I, I look over in the uh, uh, American and I see, you know, Houston and I see the other teams in that league that are playing at a very high level too. And, you know, it's a multi, it's a multi-bid league again. I mean, it is. Um, I think it definitely hurt them to lose Connecticut. Uh, but at the same time, I think Connecticut, they, ju- they just knew what they wanted and, you know, football be damned. We were going to go and, and play in the big East again. And, yeah. and by the way, Connecticut is probably the most physically gifted team in the big East uh, right now. And yet they, they just haven't had solid footing. They haven't been able to string together, you know, five, six, seven wins in a row, which, which I think is understandable given how good the, the conference is, you know, I mean, it's hard when you are going up against, uh, Seton Hall on the road, you know, or Villanova on the road to keep any kind of a uh, streak going in that in that conference. Yeah, that's a strong one for sure. I wanted to ask you specifically about Gonzaga. You know, it's h- hard to believe, you know, you know, when they burst on the scene in the late 90s, you know, that they have become a blue blood in their own right in college mm-hmm. basketball, you know. My question is, you know, does their conference schedule and the lack of that adversity hurt them? I mean, they play great out of conference schedule to, to make up for that. Um, do you have a concern with that, or do you think the fact that they, they now have that experience getting well, to the championship yeah, to not, the game? Not as much, yeah, not as much as we did before, because they have shown us that they can get all the way to the finals. 
they didn't win it a year ago, but they got there. Uh, they play a really representative non-conference schedule, but they play them all early. And, and, and basketball is a game of uh, evolution and chemistry. Uh, and, and I think that when you play your toughest games early, you may find out, okay, yeah, we belong. We know we can go up against the power conference teams. But other than St. Mary's, there's not much in that league that's going to scare them uh, when they play. Uh, once, they, once we get into mid-January and through February, which means their preparation going into the NCAA tournament uh, may not be all that, you know. And so they got to get back to another gear uh, and shift into it. Once they get, you know, to the first round of the NCAA, that's a really good question. It may still exist to some extent, but I think that uh, Mark Few has gotten so good at uh, dealing with that and navigating through it that it's less of an issue now than it used to be. You know, Tommy Lloyd had been with him for 20 years, now the head coach in Arizona. And I had them early at Illinois this year, back in December. And I think Arizona, after Purdue, is is the second-best team I've seen. Uh, Matherin is just an absolute um, matchup nightmare. Uh, Kresa is a really good player. Um, They've got a lot of talent. Uh, Terry is, you know, comes from great stock and is a fantastic talent, too. Uh, they're really good. I think they may be the team that um, spoils it for the Zags if, if there is one out West. Uh, I don't think either USC or UCLA are as good as Gonzaga. I think Arizona may be. <laughs> but it wouldn't be wild if, um, if somehow, some way in the tournament, uh, those two managed to get together. It'd be really, you know, it'd really be cool to see maybe in a regional final, those two get together. Uh, it may take somebody beating uh, either Arizona or Gonzaga for that to happen because I fully expect one of those two teams to be a one seed uh, and the other to be a two. But for those two to get together, uh, the two would have to fall in just the right spot for them to meet in a regional final. Otherwise, it could be in the final four. Are there any Cinderella's you have your eye on? Wow, that's a great one. Uh, you know, I, I, I still think we always overlook Kelvin Sampson's teams. You know, uh, they're, they're a hard out when the game slows down. And the game definitely slows down when we get to March. Um, I don't know that you would call them, though. I used to say uh, in order to be a Cinderella, you got to be a six-seed or higher, you know, or lower, six-seed or lower. And I don't see them being a six seed until I see the brackets. I really don't have one for you, hmm. but, but I do think that the team that probably isn't being discussed as much as it should is, uh, is Houston. Hmm. Yeah. And speaking of the AAC, you know, I think, you know, talent wise, I, th- I think that level suggests they could be a three or four bid league, but the conference doesn't get that kind of respect like the major conferences when those teams work each other over in conference yep. play because they're they've got a lot of good teams in that league, but they, they don't do. get the same kind of respect in, in in that in that regard. And I think it's especially true now with Connecticut out of the league. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a lot of uh, you got to be aware that much of the media uh, in basketball, particularly the big name scribes that have been around a long time, you know, the hoops Weisses of the world. Uh, they're Eastern writers. You know, they grew up on 
basketball in the Northeast. And, uh, you know, the American uh, with, with Connecticut in the league got a lot more attention uh, in college basketball, I think, than, than it does without it, you know. And um, that's not a knock at any of the other teams because there's some really quality teams out there, no question about it, in that league. But um, Connecticut was one of those programs, you know, uh, uh, a former charter of the Big East and a, and a team that has a, a press corps of probably 25 to 30 to travel with them. You know, not we don't we don't see much of that in today's college basketball, a team that has that kind of uh, posse of writers following them from place to place. Yeah, and of course, I did want to ask you specifically, too, uh, regarding one of our teams of the American uh, that, that we follow here locally, UCF. You know, Johnny Dawkins, it amazed me. That he's already been here six years. Uh, and, you know, and he has raised the, the level and the profile of the program. A lot more talent is coming in. Mm-hmm. What does he have to do to get UCF to be an annual fixture in the NCAA tournament? And that's a job that's going to get harder when they move to the Big 12. Yeah, yeah. Um- well, I think actually going to the Big 12 will help, to be honest, because they're – they're. Uh, listen, the American, Mike Oresco, as you know, is a friend of mine, and I think he's done an incredible job. And with everything that's going on in football right now uh, and all of the uh, um, circumstances off the field with realignment and with uh, uh, NIL and with Transfer Portal and all that um, – uh, you can look at what he did in the aftermath of losing, you know, Cincinnati and UCF, that decision that happened uh, earlier in the fall during football and who they replaced their teams with. They're all in metropolitan areas. They've all got, um, you know, upsides. And I think that the AAC is going to be fine. Uh, Mike's done an incredible job, but I think the job for any program that falls into that category, like UCF, uh, and, and others within the league, um, they, 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 it'll be a lot easier for them when they go to the Big 12 because of the high profile that the Big 12 carries with regard to regular season prominence on, on television. You're, you're seeing them uh, a lot more once they go there. Uh, the Americans got a better deal than any of the group of five conferences on television, but that's you know not really saying a lot when you look at the deals that are out there for everybody else, including the Sun Belt, which is negligible and has really a very good league, you know, uh, both in football and in basketball. I think that going to the Big 12 will help UCF dramatically. Uh, and it will help it in terms of uh, recruiting because, you know, now in the state of Florida, one of the things that hurts them is they, they're going up against the ACC and the SEC. And when you're the AAC, it's hard to – uh, to combat that recruiting advantage that those two power conferences have over them. Uh, and look, I, you know, all things considered, UCF's done a hell of a job uh, with that being the, the case. Uh, Michael White's Florida team is, has been struggling. Uh, Florida State is kind of a hit and miss. I think Leonard generally is considered probably the guru of the state right now with a solid program that always does well. You may not know many of his players, but he always has players, <laughs> really good players, usually very tall players, yes. <laughs> uh, some some from outside our country and others that have maybe been much traveled, you know, transfers. Uh, he never lacks for talent, uh, Leonard Hamilton. 
Uh, and I was talking about how difficult uh, it's been in the ACC. That's uh, you know, it's a down year, and it's always perceived a down year when Florida State's beating people in basketball with regularity, and they're doing it. But I, I think for Johnny to to uh, get that consistent uh, feeling that you're talking about, and fans of UCF so so uh, drastically want, it would be to schedule more nationally non-conference than he currently does. Hmm. Uh, but that's easier said than done uh, when you're in the American. It'll all become easier once he goes to the Big 12 because then he can schedule who he wants, when he wants, and and have an easier time to get home and homes as opposed to, oh, we got to go play twice over here and they're not going to return. Or we have to go play three over here to get one return. You know, the, all of that will change. All of those dynamics will change Jeff once he goes into the Big 12. Now, I do think that's going to be two to three years away uh, because the stalling of the um, expansion of the college football playoff is very real and uh, it's not going to happen until the current contract is up, in my opinion. Uh, And it's all because of everyone's hurt feelings over uh, what happened with Oklahoma and Texas uh, being poached by the SEC while they were in the midst of agreeing to a 12-team format, <laughs> and the commissioners involved uh, were not necessarily transparent with one another about all that. Uh, so I think that's the reason for, for it. But what it's going to mean is uh, is Oklahoma is not going to pay $80 million to get out of the Big 12. Uh, financially, it just doesn't make any sense for them. Texas could, but I don't think they will. And after what happened with their p- football program last year, they shouldn't be in any hurry to get to the SEC. <laughs> So uh, I think we're probably going to be stuck uh, with the 14 playoff for a while. And that means that UCF will continue uh, to play ball more than likely in the um, in the American for at least, uh, you know, two to three years. Yeah. Well, Tim, I tell you what, I always enjoy our conversations and I always enjoy watching you uh, do your do your work out there. Um, you know what I wish would happen and in, in, in maybe I could you know, negotiate a contract. I wish, I wish, I wish, uh, I wish CBS and Turner would invite some of you Fox guys into the, into the March Madness because, you know, guys like you and Gus Johnson that, that, you know, did the tournament for so many years, you know, to me, that's a soundtrack of March Madness. Man, that is nice of you to say, uh, Jeff, I really do appreciate that. I get that question uh, a lot. Uh, you know, it's been now uh, nine years since I worked the NCAA tournament. My last, was in 2013. Uh, I joined Fox in 14, and um, you know I've had a blast with Fox. And uh, honestly, I I don't miss uh, the preparation that I have to go through to do the tournament uh, because it's a lot. You know, eight teams at one site, four games in one day is a lot. I think I still believe it's the most challenging assignment that any play-by-play announcer can have, uh, bar none. I mean, there is no uh, there is no event that asks more of the people that are covering it than the NCAA tournament with the way CBS structures it with Turner. And uh, But what always made it fun was that uh, it was unique and it was a marathon, not a sprint. And we had to pace ourselves and we had to – you know, it was the longest day in sports television when you, you know, check in at, say, uh, 
10 a.m. in the morning for your first game at noon. And then you go 12, 2.30, a break for an hour, come back at 5.30, do a game at 6, and then another game at 9. And all of a sudden, you're walking out of the arena, and it's uh, it's been a 13-hour day. You know, that 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 is <laughs> – you wouldn't have asked anybody to do that with any other event. Uh, but I did it for 18 years, and it was wonderful. It was uh, a lot of fun. And now when I get through with the Big East tournament and I'm done – I, I pass the baton to Gus. And he does the championship uh, after we're through with the quarterfinals. Uh, I come home and I start playing golf and enjoying life and then watching these other guys and gals that are calling it going, oh, I bet you've had a fun last 48 <laughs> hours. And I'm a fan of college basketball. Even when I'm not working it, I'm certainly watching it and I enjoy it. Uh, but I've been asked many times, uh, do you miss that? And I don't miss the preparation, uh, and but I do miss the moments that, that were brought from the preparation. You know, uh, people hit me with um, uh, YouTube replays of uh, buzzer-beating calls that I've had uh, through the years. And uh, my moments with Al McGuire at the regional finals in 98. And, uh, you know, I worked with um, – uh, in my 18 years, I worked with uh, 10 different analysts, and my last one was Mike Jeminski. But prior to that, I was working with a different analyst every year, including Rick Patino, the year he was fired from Boston before he went to uh, Louisville in 2000. I worked with him. Uh, so a lot of experiences, a lot of memories that pop into my head about the times I spent uh, doing the NCAA tournament. It is, in my opinion, an event that I will never – ever miss if humanly possible i'll always be there uh last year was the first that i had not gone to since 1996 uh because of covid and uh this year i'll be back it's in new orleans it's in my home state uh i'll be hosting the champions luncheon for the nabc uh it's actually a brunch this year on sunday and i'll be hosting a few um seminars for the uh the national association of basketball coaches convention so uh, I'm always involved. I'm always there. Uh, so it's connected with me, even though I'm not doing the tournament anymore. But, um, yeah, if, if, if at some point between now and I, the time I hit the finish line, if, uh, if there were ever a, uh, a party invitation uh, to the old geezer to come back maybe <laughs> once, once or twice more, uh, I'd listen to it. I would because uh, it's, the, it's the major sporting event that's probably nearest and dearest to me. Yeah. And how many people, I think Gus, by the way, I think Gus, by the way, I can't speak for him, but I, I think Gus wouldn't mind uh, uh, one of those uh, invitations extended uh, as well. We, we both comment on it a lot, you know, yeah. we're good friends. <laughs> uh, Gus and I are good friends and, and it made him, I mean, G Gus's career just jettisoned uh, on the internet. He became like an internet sensation <laughs> with all the buzzer beaters he had. Uh but I had my fair share as well, and we uh, we laugh a lot about that usually yeah. during the course of the season. That's out outstanding. And how many people in the airport yell "Iron unkind" <laughs> <laughs> when you when you pass by? <laughs> a lot, you, you, a lot, and uh, and I'm always uh, thrilled to hear that. And uh, occasionally, I'll hear an announcer on a game uh, that will use it and 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 say. Uh, uh, with uh, with much love for Timmy B or you know something like that, 
Uh, Scott Van Pelt on occasion will do it on a sports center. You know, the puck hits the post and he'll go, oh, the iron uncut uh, <laughs> in a hockey uh, highlight. You know, it's those are always fun to hear. Outstanding. Well, Tim, as always, I appreciate your time. I know how busy you are this time of year. I certainly appreciate you joining us. Thank you, Jeff. Always good to be with you. And uh, anytime you need me, just let me know. Now let's close things out with a TV theme. You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of life. The facts of life. There's a time you gotta go and show you grow, and now you know about the facts of life. The facts of life. And that was from the Facts of Life that ran on NBC from August 1979 to May 1988, a spinoff of Different Strokes, and it was one of the longest-running sitcoms of the 1980s. It focuses on Edna Garrett, played by Charlotte Ray, who became a house mother um, at the fictional Eastland School, an all-girls boarding school in Peekskill, New York, and the cast pretty well known as you would imagine. Lisa Welch will play Blair Warner. Kim Fields played Tootie Ramsey. Mindy Cohn played Natalie Green. Also as part of the cast, Nancy McKeon was Joe Polinicek. And uh, that were pretty much the core characters throughout the, uh, the life of that show. But some uh, other notables, Molly Ringwald, was a season one character, I think, before her movie career took off. And at uh, one point, George Clooney was part of that cast uh, in the last couple of seasons. And Cloris Leachman, also part of the Facts of Life cast. So that is our TV theme for this week. And one more reminder about the Popka International Jazz Festival. If you want to win the preferred seating tickets i've got a pair to give away in the first week of march to enter that drawing email me at jeff allen sports talk at gmail.com and with that we are done here thanks for listening to jeff allen sports talk follow jeff on twitter at jeff allen underscore 88 on facebook at jeff allen 88 and the website jeff allen sports and you can reach out to the show anytime by email jeff allen sports talk at gmail.com jeff allen sports talk is brought to you exclusively by kramer's salve for dogs does your dog itch, suffer from debilitating skin allergies, or trouble hot spots? We have the solution using the healing power of neem. Kramer's Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. Go to KramerSalve.net to order today with new low pricing. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net. The second annual Apopka International Jazz Fest, starring Jeffrey Osborne with Hiroshima, D. Lucas, and Grammy Award winner Nestor Torres. Saturday, March 19th at the Apopka Amphitheater. For complete details and early bird tickets, log on to International Jazz Fest.com.